Hi, welcome to the Sage's Cabin podcast. I'm your host, Rox Madeira. So grab a cup of tea and come and join me in the Sage's Cabin as we chat about everything from herbal gardening, herbal medicine, movement practices, wild food, postnatal and just general well-being. Today I'm talking to Chizuko Endo, who is a taiko player who is currently based in Hawaii and she is coming over to Scotland to play at and do workshops at the first Scottish Taiko Festival which is happening on the weekend of the 28th to, 20, to the 30th of April um, in Aberfoyle um, and the kind of surrounding villages. So we're just going to talk a bit about what taiko is and um, about what else that she does and it's a really interesting interview and just to say if you are interested in coming to the festival um, there are tickets still available and it's a mix of Japanese cultural events and also taiko drumming workshops so there's all kinds of things such as yukata dressing, Japanese calligraphy, um, Japanese swords um, Shinobui Tasters, which is a Japanese flute. Um, there's community concerts happening. There are sword demonstrations. There are drumming workshops, and there is um, the Taiko uh, concert that's happening on the uh, 29th, which is in the evening, which is the big kind of big festival with everybody. Um, playing with um, Kenny Endo from, who's a very famous um, taiko player from um, Hawaii. So if you're interested in that, if you check out the Scottish Festival.com and get your tickets and come along. And I hope that you enjoyed this interview with Chizuko. It was very interesting. And if you do, as always, please like, share and subscribe to the podcast. Because then I can cut. Hello, hi Shizuku. Hi, Rox. Nice to meet you and uh... and welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Um, I wonder if we can start actually by talking about uh, what Taiko is, because you are a Taiko player, and I think probably a lot of people who listen to my podcast might not know what it is. Some of them might, but if you could explain what it is. Well, I had a very simple uh, explanation one time by my teacher when we did a live interview and the interviewee asked, uh, so what is taiko? And uh, he said, well, it's a barrel and got the skin on both sides and you hit it and goes don, don, don. (laughs) (laughs) Well, taiko is a Japanese drum um, and it has a history well, from early, early times, over 2,000 years old. Um, and most likely the uh, taiko drum came from China or Korea in, in the early days, but um, the taiko drum um, was said to probably be used for sending messages to faraway places. For example, if there was a fire or the community needed some help. They had a particular rhythm that they beat out on the drum. 
and and the sound could carry for a long long distances especially when there was no um buildings and uh sounds from uh civilization um so in fact they said it could travel about 7d in which is a japanese uh, measurement of of of, of uh, length i guess and um someone said that it's a uh, close to about seven miles and they actually did a a, a test on this in mongolia uh, many years ago but anyway um used for sending messages to faraway places they used it to um, chase insects away during harvest time because mm -hmm. when they played the drum, it gave this vibration and all the locusts and the grasshoppers would fly away. And uh, if they had a bountiful harvest, then they would uh, beat the drum in celebration. Um, it was used to um, instill courage in young warriors. Um, and it was also used in wartime. For example, they might have a particular rhythm that they beat out to uh, uh, signal to advance forward or a particular a rhythm that they uh, beat out to um, mean retreat forces. Um, there's also a village um, uh, in the, on the Noto Peninsula, which uh, about 400 years ago was um, many of the surrounding villages were being attacked and overtaken by a very strong warlord and they got message that their village was going to be attacked soon too. So they didn't know what they were going to do because there was only about 30, 40 people that lived in this village and they're far, primarily farmers and fishermen. So they decided to uh, get their one drum, put it on the beach, build bonfires on the beach, wear scary masks and seaweed in their hair they wore raggedy clothes and they beat the drum all night. And uh, sure enough, one night this uh, warlord came by boat and he saw this scene on the beach and he thought, oh, this uh, village must be inhabited by demons. So he turned around and decided not to attack. So that saved that village. And to this, to this day, every man in that village plays the, the drum. And uh, this is a true story. It happened over 400 years ago. Um, so. Um, it was also used in the um, Buddhist temples and the Shinto shrines. Um, it has been said that uh, the Buddhist people felt that it was the voice of the Buddha. Um, it's used at festival time. Uh, it's used by the uh, imperial court in their gagaku music. Um, it's used for no and kabuki theater. Mm -hmm. So there's so many um, ways that the taiko drum has been used, but taiko just refers to drum. So it could be a small drum, a large drum. It refers to all drums, Japanese drums. Oh, I didn't realize that. I thought it was just the giant drums that you see. <laughs> that was a long explanation. <laughs> no, that was really interesting. That was really interesting to hear about the history. But um, so when did it become um, like a kind of an art form, I guess, that it, that it, ha that it is now? Uh, so actually, it didn't happen until the 1950s. So it has a rather short history. Uh, there was a Japanese jazz drummer living in Nagano Prefecture, which is the uh, mountainous region of Japan, and sometimes referred to as the Japanese Alps. And um, he uh, he had this idea to transcribed the music from the local uh, shrine for a group of drummers. 
And being that he was a jazz drummer, he's thinking uh, snare drum, tom-tom, bass drum, um, I guess also the, the cymbals. So he, um, that, that's how he came up with this shimedaiko, uh, maybe like something like a sumo daiko, a chu daiko, an o daiko, drums of various sizes and various uh, tones. And uh, he, he put an ensemble of drummers together. And uh, that was the beginning of uh, group drumming which we also refer to as kumi daiko, which means group drumming or ensemble drumming. That was 1951, 1951. And uh, I think uh, that was uh, Osuwa daiko, Osuwa And that man was Daihachi Oguchi, who is generally acclaimed to be the founder of the group drumming taiko uh, phenomena that has taken over the world. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then, um... So I th is it true that like there's kind of quite a I know you mentioned about Shinto religion, but is there quite a connection with that and with the um, the kind of the, the spirit of the drum? Is it like when you hit the drum that the kind of you're releasing the spirit of the tree or something like that? I'm not sure. If um, I'm not sure if I got this right at all. <laughs> yeah, I I don't know that I I don't really know how they use it in a spiritual mind, but. Um, it is used in the Shinto shrine and in, in their music, uh, which is uh, music from the God of the gods and their dance of the gods. Um, uh, in Buddhism, um, it's used oftentimes in their uh, chanting and um, uh, the beginning of a service. Um, and, and I've heard that they think of it as the voice of the Buddha. Okay. Yeah. Um, so in Kenny, Kenny Endo's uh, music, who's a contemporary taiko uh, drummer, um, he honors that the taiko drum is made from a tree and also from the hide or the skin of a cow. Um, and a, a large old taiko, large drum, it could take anywhere between 100 to 200, 300 years for a tree to grow that that big and especially if you uh, uh, a large old eichel takes a pretty big cow to um to get a hide that big so he has some pieces uh that he honors the spirit of the uh of the cow and the spirit of the tree as um they come together uh to make this wonderful instrument that's great i love that um, and so how did you get into taiko well, actually, um, I had heard about uh, this fun taiko drumming uh, that was uh, beginning uh, to evolve in Los Angeles. Um, I, I heard about it around 1970, 1971, and the group that uh, I had been talking to actually started around 1969. And they, this was a Kinnara uh, well, taiko group that came out of the Senshin Buddhist Temple in Los Angeles. And I grew up at Senshin Buddhist Temple. Um, but about the time that they were getting into taiko was I had already graduated high school and I wasn't commuting to the temple on a weekly basis anymore. And um, it was their Obon festival. Do you know Obon? Obon is a, a summer festival uh, a Buddhist festival that honors the ancestors. 
Okay. And um, uh, at the festival, um, there usually is in the center uh, a tower, and at the top of the tower is a, a taiko drummer. If they don't have a tower, there's the center is where the taiko drummer is. They might have other instruments like shamisen, and um, which is a three-string lute, kind of like the banjo, um, and a, a flute player. Um, and then maybe a metal, a tarigane player. Um, and they're playing music in the center and dancing all night around the center are uh, community people, the temple people. Um, uh, yeah, and they're dancing to honor their ancestors. Uh, and it's said that the ancestors return to their uh, homelands uh, on one night, they participate in this bone festival, and then they they leave uh, the next day. Um, so, the um, Senshin Buddhist temple drummers were putting the drum away one night, and and then they just started jamming on it before they put it away. And then they were having such a great time, and they were just um, jamming all night and. And then I heard about this because they, they were my friends. They were telling me this this was so much fun, you know, and um, they just had a great jam and they were um, didn't want to put the drum away. And so um, I had heard about this, but then I left Los Angeles and I went away to college. And uh, so I missed all the development of the group. And finally, um, when I was away at college, actually, um, I got very involved with the Native American uh, community. Uh, in Northern California, um, and uh, I was very much in, interested in their um, ceremonies and their masks and their um, philosophy and their shamanism, their ceremonies, and um, that was a very strong part of my life. And um, when I first heard the taiko, it uh, reminded me of that uh, same kind of feeling that I had from the, the native ceremonies that it just really took me by, uh, just grabbed me and I had to focus all my attention on them. And um, so I, I loved it. And uh, so I wanted to join the Kinnada Taiko group, but um, I, I held off and I uh, eventually started with the San Francisco Taiko Dojo, which is a, the first group uh, first taiko group that was established outside of Japan mm -hmm. in 1968. That's when the group started. I didn't start playing taiko until 1978. This is a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Before you were born, probably. Couple, yeah, just a couple of years. <laughs> um, wow. So, sorry, just to ask, the, the Obon Festival that you said, what, what kind of time of year does that happen? It happens in the summer. The summer. And, yeah. And I live in Hawaii. Um, you know, a, a temple has it usually on one weekend. Sometimes they have it on the dance on a Friday night and a Saturday night. Sometimes it's just one night. But in Hawaii, uh, every temple has uh, one of these uh, Obon festivals. So it happens every weekend during the summer. Mm -hmm. um, Actually, I think the date is uh, supposed to be July 15th, July 15th, but uh, in Hawaii, it happens every weekend, pretty much from the 1st of June until the uh, first weekend of September. Oh, wow. Yeah, and and um, it's not just a, a religious festival for that particular temple, 
but they open it up to anyone and everyone, um, community people, regard, regardless of their uh, religious affiliation, re regardless of their uh, ethnicity. Uh, it's it's become uh, just a very nice community event. And uh, the one in in um, Hawaii is that a Buddhist temple as well? Then uh, they're at Buddhist temples. They're at uh, uh, community centers. Uh, I mean, in Waikiki, uh, some hotels will will also do it because it's a very fun event, and they don't. Uh, they don't talk about the the religious aspect of it, um, even though it is a Buddhist uh, a Buddhist origin and a Buddhist festival. Uh, Buddhism started in India, but this this uh, festival is not celebrated in India. It it started in Japan. Okay, so it's a Japanese Buddhist festival. And is it the Japanese community that are doing it in Hawaii then, or is it did the Hawaiians also kind of incorporate take it? Uh, the Hawaiian people don't do it themselves, but they may come and participate in it. Right. But they don't, they don't produce an event like that. Yeah. Okay. It's it's pretty much the Japanese community or Buddhist community. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. And they have many, many different dances. And uh, it doesn't matter uh, how well you dance. There's usually an inner circle of dancers and then another circle and concentric circles. And um, you just follow the people in the center who are dancing because those are usually the uh, master dancers. And they're usually very simple uh, patterns, maybe only four different uh, movement patterns. It's very easy to learn. And usually by the end of one dance, you, you can know the dance. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And um, uh, one priest that is a close friend of mine, he says, it's not important how well you dance at the festival is just most important that you dance because you're there to honor your ancestors. Okay. That's nice. That's nice. So, so at, a sort of celebration of life and the life that's gone before you that's made the life that's here now, I guess, is it? Yes. And at the um, Scottish Tycho Festival, I will be running a workshop uh, teaching one bone dance Oh, right, okay. One dance, yeah, from the Bone Festival. So uh, book your tickets and attend. Eh? <laughs> um, oh, I forgot, I forgot my, what, my train of thought, my other questions. Um, yeah, so you also, um, you do a lot of work with different groups, um, not just like performance, but you also work with other groups like kind of maybe, I think in the deaf community and maybe other, communities like that I'm not sure maybe you could talk a bit about your work with that with them sure um yeah when I was in middle school I did some volunteer work at a deaf and blind school and at that time learned how to do the alphabet um which doesn't go very far <laughs> today when you're trying to communicate but um so I was after being in, in the Taiko community for many, many years, I wanted to uh, teach Taiko to the deaf. And I had reached out many times to our local deaf school and due to various issues that they were dealing with, um, it just wasn't happening for many years. 
And then uh, about, about six or seven years ago, uh, some uh, seniors uh, in the deaf community reached out to me and said that they were interested in learning Taiko and would I uh, be willing to teach them. And I thought, wonderful, this is what I've been wanting to do. Yeah. So yeah, we started a class and uh, in the beginning it was a little challenging because uh, I I don't do uh, American Sign Language um, and so I needed a, an interpreter and um, they can be quite costly so it, and it was difficult uh, in the beginning to find somebody who could uh, help uh, be a translator on a uh, on a regular basis but um, um, the first class I taught of the deaf community, I was so amazed. I thought they're just wonderful because um, uh, they use their visual uh, more, I think, than hearing people. So they're watching very carefully to see what you're doing and when you hit the drum. And um, and then also I would have them uh, hold, the, well, you can just feel the vibration, um, but if you hold, put your hand on the drum while we're beating out a rhythm, um, then they can really feel uh, how uh, strong the strike should be or how soft the strike should be. And um, well, actually, I remember one time we, we did a lecture demonstration and uh, we invited the deaf uh, school to come visit. And it was in an old wooden building, uh, wooden walls, wooden floor. And I had them sit on the floor during this uh demonstration and the whole building vibrates <laughs> the floor vibrates the walls vibrate the chairs vibrate everything vibrates so um they enjoyed it and they went back to their school and then they wrote us a thank you letter and they said we really liked the taiko uh, demonstration it was really loud <laughs> <laughs> that's great because they're deaf and they said it was really loud um so anyway um yeah uh, they're they're quite good, and uh, right now, uh, due to people's schedules and and due to the pandemic, mm -hmm. the group has shrunk. So we we only have about five people right now that have continued to uh, practice after the pandemic. We did run uh, classes uh, uh, on the web on the internet during the pandemic, but being that they're deaf, it was very difficult. Yeah, yeah. so. Sometimes we would do a split screen where I would be teaching on one side and interpreter on the other side, but then there was internet conduct uh, internet connectivity issues, so we put that on hold. But we restarted again uh, last summer. Yeah, and they've done performances, right. and I'm, and I'm now at the uh, at the deaf high school, so I have a, a class that we teach at our Taiko Center of the Pacific School. And uh, I was also teaching at the deaf high school, and I'll be there again um, in the fall. Okay. And do you work with other kind of community groups that are facing other well, issues? Um, there was a time when um, the newspaper asked if we, um, they wanted to talk uh, to some of our students who had health issues and um, to ask how did Tycho affect their lives. And so they interviewed a, a poet 
uh, a writer in our group who was 75 years old at the time. And uh, she was taking Tycho and she had said that um, she had uh, a shoulder pain um, that she had tried many different exercises and uh, athletic activities and arts and nothing helped. But then she took Tycho and that pain went away and it never came back. And so they printed this in the newspaper and the following day, my phone was flooded with people interested because they had the same pain. <laughs> they wanted to take Tycho. And uh, Tycho can be healing in some ways. And then it can also be, uh, uh, well, it could also f affect people in a negative way if they don't prepare for, for uh, Tycho. So, um, we, we created a class that would uh, be maybe suitable and address those issues and take Tycho a little bit more uh, slowly than just a, a regular class. So uh, we called it nice and easy. Um, and so, um, but it's not, it's not necessarily for seniors. It's not necessarily for people with uh, medical or uh, physical uh, issues. It's just called nice and easy. And so the class is, uh, uh, addresses or focuses on each person and um, raising the whole group together rather than uh, just teaching, um, you know, middle, middle of the road and some people get it and some people don't uh, try to make it so that everybody understands what's going on. So we have that class. Um, yeah, and then we also have a, a kids class, which is uh, great for family bonding. Uh, it's a parent and child class. And then of the people, all those people that flooded your inbox after the pain, um, did, they, did any of them come and did any of them benefit? Yeah, well, um, I, I didn't really ask. But I think, I think um, yeah, there was, I remember one woman who had a, balance issues and um she always had to hold on to something uh, just in standing there but uh, we we do exercises uh in the beginning um i'm not really trained in any particular way but i just tried to come up with exercises that would help people and um she uh stuck with it for about five years and then the pandemic hit mm -hmm. so haven't seen her back since but uh she felt and and I could tell also that her balance was much better. Um, there uh, we have some people in their eighties, and um, uh, they have told me they're so thankful. I, and I think for them, it's not only the physical and mind mind body, but it's also the the community uh aspect of the social uh aspect of you know um coming together on a weekly basis and having friends who are doing the same thing and then helping each other and uh, that that social aspect is also very uh enriched their lives i think yeah. yeah i think that's a huge thing that we that we don't think of necessarily as part of healing and health and well-being the kind of community aspect um and we also in in our kids classes 
we talk about supporting each other so that if somebody makes a mistake, you don't laugh at them and point at them, you know, instead you try to help them. Um, so rather than laughing at somebody, you know, we laugh together. So I, I think, I, I think it's very important, uh, in teaching kids, uh, well, okay. So, uh, before I got into Taiko and I told you that I was very involved in the native community, uh, the indigenous people's community. And I, I went to a one, uh, sunrise ceremony and, um, the leader was greeting the day and showing gratitude and being thankful for the sun, for giving us warmth, you know, for the breeze that made us cool on a hot day, and the green plants and flowers that created beauty and provided food for us. And um, I just thought that there was so much uh, respect for all living things and non-living things that he was talking about in that one morning sunrise uh, ceremony. And I thought this, this was something that uh, American culture, because I grew up in America, that American culture was definitely lacking, that we're lacking respect for, for other people of different ethnicities, you know, for life on, uh, on earth besides ourselves, you know, uh, and and I thought this is something that's really missing in in American culture. And I felt that this was uh, that Taiko was a way that I could teach uh, children to become more respectful. So uh, in our dojo or our, our classroom, we always bow when we enter the, the classroom. And we always mention uh, that we're bowing to show respect for uh, many things, but we emphasize um, uh, the teacher, the sensei, who's going to be sharing their knowledge with you, the dojo or the classroom, and for being appreciative for a space to play taiko in, um, because that's not easy because we make so much noise. <laughs> um, uh, being thankful for the other persons in, in the classroom, our, uh, uh, being thankful for the instruments that we're going to be playing with, and also being respectful for the art itself. So when we come into the classroom, we bow uh, to show respect to all of those things, and um, uh, we try to focus on the art and uh, leave all of our other baggage outside of the room. Um, so I, I feel that uh, uh, through Taiko, uh, we can learn these things to be more respectful and uh, appreciate everyone. Yeah, that's lovely. Um... And so you're coming to Scotland. Is this the first time that you're coming to Scotland? Yes. We're so excited. And every time we tell people that we're, we're going to Scotland, so many people are excited that <laughs> they said it's uh, it's on their bucket list, that they want to go to Scotland too. And then people who have been to Scotland um, said it's so beautiful. And uh, yes, some people we were talking to last night had got married in Scotland, <laughs> there are people from Vancouver, Canada, and uh, yeah, so we're really looking forward to it. And are you going to be able to um, kind of travel around a little bit when you come, so you can see the place? Well, um, I would, I would love to, but I think we're arriving uh, on a Thursday, and I think every day is booked with some ac activity or rehearsal for the 
uh, first Scottish Tycho Festival, which everybody's so amazed about this. They're just so uh, excited. I mean, I'm talking about people in the United States and Hawaii, where I'm from, they're just so excited about that. Wow, the first Scottish Tycho Festival. That's exciting. Um, yeah, so I like to walk around uh, in this Aberfoyle area, at least for that, yeah. Well, it's a pretty area that you're coming yeah. to. That's nice. <laughs> Great. And uh, so maybe you could just say what what are the things that you're doing at the festival, you yourselves? Uh, I don't really know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I am doing a workshop on um, building teamwork and giving uh, energy uh, to others while we're drumming. Um, it's a piece that we're going to play an upright drum and um, uh, and then I'm going to also do a workshop uh, teaching one uh, bone dance. Uh, um, and then I'll also be participating in the concert uh, as a taiko drummer percussionist uh, with the Kenny Endo group who will be, we will be collaborating with many other musicians and drummers uh, in Scotland. So we're very excited about that. And uh, would you say that the... The, the workshop your workshops are kind of open to non-taiko players as well as taiko players oh definitely the uh the bone bone dance workshop is open to anybody there's we might do some drumming in there but um it's mo mostly to teach a dance mm -hmm. um so and and again as i mentioned earlier that it's not important how well you dance at the Bone Festival, but that you do dance because <laughs> you're there to honor your ancestors. Um, the the workshop drumming workshop that I'm giving is not a beginner's workshop. Uh, I could do that, but uh, I'm not scheduled to do that. Uh, it would be good if people had a little bit of experience. Yeah. Okay. And uh, non taiko players can obviously come and see the concert that you're playing in. Oh with, yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, that's exciting so we're excited to have you coming over here and um yeah it was really nice to talk to you do you have um anywhere if people wanted to kind of check out your work or anything do you have like websites or anything that people social media or whatever that people can like look you up yes um well let's see uh our website is taikoarts.com that's t-a-i-k-o-a-r-t-s dot com taikoarts.com um uh i am the managing director of taiko center of the pacific we are a school of traditional and contemporary japanese drumming and we have two performing groups uh a youth group and our adult ensemble uh, the youth group has performed on the mainland us and then throughout hawaii um, our adult ensemble has performed in europe and japan and on the mainland USA and also throughout Hawaii. Um, we teach classes for uh, age two on up. Right now our eldest students are in their 80s. Um, and we also have a class for the deaf and hard of hearing. Um, so that's taikoarts.com. Uh, we also do school programs and lecture demonstrations and, and concerts and performances. Um, and then you can also look at kennyendo.com. That is the artistic director of our school. Uh, and he has his own website. That's K-E-N-N-Y-E-N-D-O 
www.taikoartsfoundation.com. Um, we also have a nonprofit organization called Taiko Arts Center, and that's taikoartscenter.org. Um, I'm on uh, Facebook and Instagram. Uh, Instagram would be Taiko Center of the Pacific. On Facebook, it's Chizuko Endo. Yeah, that's great. Thank you. I love the fact that you have uh, Taiko classes for ages two and up. <laughs> yeah, do you know, because my daughter, she's one, but um, yeah, she loves, you know, hitting. Yeah, and... <laughs> they say, how do you teach little kids? I says, it's not, it's not hard to get them to uh, drum. It's harder to get them to stop. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> hard to get to do, to do what you'd like. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, that's great. Thank you so much for talking to me. Yes, um, thank you. Interesting. Thank you. Thank Looking you. forward to coming to Scotland. Yeah, it'll be good. <laughs>